Stronger Together is our theme for the year, and we're wrapping up the year. Um, I looked at my whiteboard in my office the other day. October 27th was the top sermon or the top um, date on that board all the way through the end of the year. And I started to look at how um, the topics and the ideas and the ways in which we've, um, we've sort of supported this theme of Stronger Together throughout the year have really, hopefully, given us some really good information for, um, for growth as a congregation, but personal growth as well. It's interesting when you think of what my role is this morning for you. Um, I know it's, a, it's sort of a mixed bag at times of what you expect from the minister. Um, sometimes you need um, encouragement, and sometimes the minister needs to be there to, to, um, to talk about a topic that maybe is hard to hear, and maybe I step on your toes. Um, sometimes I feel like um, I'm a little harder than I need to be, and I want to be an encourager, um, from the pulpit, and so I try to balance that at times. With a week of Thanksgiving, it's hard not to to think about encouragement and um, and 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 share in the joy and the freedom we have of the opportunity to be encouragers. So this morning, I want you to understand something. Um, this week, you're gonna you're gonna encounter a lot of people, people in your family, people in the community. Um, we had an opportunity to have a building full of people yesterday uh, for our feed the community. And I wanted to be sure in that moment with those individuals that they knew I was glad that they were here. And I wanted to encourage those people. So I want to challenge you this morning, before you leave today, think of yourself as an encourager that is leaving to go into your community to bring people joy. To share the love of Jesus Christ and encourage people's lives this week. Because everyone's looking for something to be grateful for. And I hope that as we take a look at our own lives, we can provide that this morning. Some would like for me to come and just preach on specific verses and give real in-depth thought, really in-depth thought on those verses. And I want to do that in a way, but I also want us to look at the lies behind those verses as well. It's important for us to understand Scripture, where it comes from, the details behind it, and how it all comes together in a nice package. And that's great. And if you have that knowledge, what a blessing. If you don't put that knowledge to action in your life, what a waste, church. This morning, it's not just about understanding Scripture and the depth by which we can gain um, a knowledge of Scripture, but how that challenges us to live out a life based on Scripture. So this morning, I want to balance us with not just talking about a a topic um, like gratefulness or gratitude and feel good about it when we leave, I want to step on your toes a little bit to make sure that you're being one that's uh, grateful or showing gratitude in your community this week. But it's not about just understanding the verses that get us there, but living the life that shows it as well. So this morning, the biggest barrier that we have for our Stronger Together series is the fact that we're not done yet. That there's still work to be done. And in any given year, um, any given dates between a year and, and the the Sundays that fall in that year um, will not be enough time to encapsulate the need for unity in the church. Our work is unfinished. We understand the, the process of building bridges in this community. We've gone through this process with the big four bridges here, um, and it seems seemed like forever to get that accomplished. It was, a, it was a goal and a dream to connect one side of our state to the other side of Kentucky. It was a goal and a dream to have a second bridge to, to make traffic flow easier. Um, I'm sure it's, it's a dream and, and, and a blessing for some to have one bridge that we don't have to pay to go across. But the work was unfinished for so long. 
you remember the times where traffic was just one direction and everything was backed up and you think, man, if I drive down to New Albany, I go across the other bridge, maybe it'll be better. And then by the time they get one bridge fixed, the next one is getting torn apart, right? When the, when the new bridge gets finished, everybody flocks toward it. There are pictures of us standing on the newest bridge on the um, on, on 65, um, and, and, we, and we, we've shared that, um, that joy in those completions. Church, we have some joy to be shared this morning because we have finished some hard work this year. We've talked about, talked about some difficult topics, but the work yet is not finished. We still have work to do. There's still a gap in some of our lives and some of our relationships with each other here and with our family and with our community that just haven't connected the way that God desires. Now, some of that unfinished work will happen in its own time. We talked about this this morning in our Bible class. We were talking about um, Hebrews chapter um, 13. We were talking about the need for, um, for being open and honest about God's saving grace and the gospel. And I shared an example of a, of a boss that I had at one time that I really wanted to share the gospel with. But I knew just sharing the gospel with him again wasn't going to be the most effective strategy initially in our relationship. He had heard it so many times and he was so tired of hearing about it that talking about it some more wasn't going to do us any good. So we talked about race cars. We talked about drag strips. We talked about all these things that really he was excited about that I could talk about. And eventually we got to talking about Jesus. Eventually, he came to know Jesus and, and responded to the gospel. And it really had nothing to do with me, but a different perspective on his people. So this morning, I want us to be that new perspective. I want to challenge you to be people who go into our community. Maybe it's with our family, and some of our family needs those encouragers around them, right? We need to be those encouragers. I know the people at the grocery store, when Thanksgiving, the day before Thanksgiving comes up, and everyone's looking for those last few items to cook their turkey that they should have already had a month ago. It's not going to be there the day before Thanksgiving, people. If you're looking for those specific things, they're not going to be there. They're going to sell out. But you're going to be kind to those people. It's the Black Friday shoppers that go in like they're going to war. I saw a really interesting strategy for Black Friday, by the way. Someone purchased a Walmart vest online, and they were going to wear that vest for Black Friday. Almost undercover Black Friday shoppers. Like, that's a good idea. You might get arrested, but it'd be worth it. Maybe not. I'm not saying it's worth getting arrested, kids. Um, this morning, our main point is an attitude of gratitude protects us from the enemy. The enemy is around us today. The enemy is encouraging us to, um, to not, not show joy, not share joy, to, to find reasons to not talk about Jesus. The enemy is, is encouraging us to stand on the opposite ends of our bridge and look at the gap and say, how come you can't finish this bridge and scream at the other side? And the other side looks at us and says, well, if you gave us the money, we'd have it done. And then the other side says, if your leadership had a little more, and then we would go on and on and on about the reasons why it's not finished. But all it would take was a little work from both ends to connect the dots. We have that opportunity this morning. And a really good opportunity this week to be reminded of that. I want to give you three examples of... Um, of a critical explanation, exegesis, I guess you could say, of, um, of Scripture, but not necessarily through one Scripture, but through three lives this morning. The life of Paul, the life of Christ, and the life of Bonnie Dunlap. I had an opportunity, a blessing, to, um, to go to a funeral. And you may not see funerals as a blessing, but um, when I'm thinking about a, a sermon on gratitude for a week, and I'm able to see 
the joy that other people have in their lives because of how one person has affected their life. That reminds me of Carmen and Marilyn Phillips. It reminds me of Ralph and Frida Lamb. It reminds me of my grandparents. It reminds me of my parents. It reminds me of those people placed in my life to help get me through situations that I did not know were coming. It was a great reminder of faithful life lived and a critical look at a life lived for the glory of God. We're all going to be at judgment at some point, and at some point, there's going to be a critical look at our lives and how we lived our lives and what we left for others. Bonnie left a spiritual will to be read at her funeral. I'm not one of wealth. She didn't have a lot to give financially, maybe, but her life service to other people was a spiritual will in which she dedicated sharing joy, sharing Jesus, and being like Christ to other people. What a great example. Many of us right now are thinking in our heads of people that we can, uh, we can put into that box. Anniversaries of, of, um, of, of deaths and of celebrations of lives that, um, that uh, have, have been important to us. See, what's great about the perspective of a life lived and an opportunity to live this week is we can do something about it. We can share joy and gratefulness to those around us because we are still alive with those people. We can celebrate with those people. Instead of giving a celebration speech after they're gone, face to face we can talk about what they mean to us. That's important. It's important for us in Ephesians chapter 4 that we're reminded, let no unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building up the one in need and bringing grace to those who listen. I was reminded last week that that's a verse that we need to hear more often because we need to be encouragers. And I need to be the one leading the charge of encouragement for you in your life. So this morning as we look in, in verses, I want to start here in Philippians. In Philippians, there's a lot going on. Paul's had a lot going on. Um, he has been, um, he's been in prison and he's writing about um, his joy for the Lord, this rejoicing that he has in the Lord always. If you go through um, Philippians, there, there's discord between the church, people acting selfishly. There are false teachers within the church. There are finally discord between two specific people, Paul mentions. He, he mentions people by name, talking about stepping on toes. And in all this writing and all this setup for chapter 4, he says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And I will say it again, rejoice. This morning, church, Rejoice in the Lord always. Let me tell you again, rejoice. Because we have every reason to stare at the gap between whatever happiness is, whatever that bridge that's incomplete in our lives, and say it's someone else's fault. We have every reason to rejoice that God can fill that gap. He can fill that hole in our lives. He can complete the story that is not yet finished in our lives. So let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. That's a combination. You ever looked at a recipe when you're putting something together for a holiday and say, why does this even need to be in the mix? I don't get how this is going to make the flavor of this any better. And say, I want to know what that, what, that, um, what that entree, what that dessert, whatever that pie is that you like so much whatever it is, this anxiousness, whatever I'm anxious about, I want to know what's going to fill that, that void, what's going to fill my stomach. And I want to know what it tastes like, but I don't know if I want 
to put the ingredients in to make it happen. We all want patience. We all want to be free in our minds and joyous in our lives. We have to pray about those things. With thanksgiving, we have to present those requests to God. It is tough to be thankful for some of the things we're presented with in our lives. I had the blessing of going to a funeral. I've had the blessing the last few weeks to visit um, Miss Jerry Bess in, in, um, in, her, in Krista's home. I have had a chance to sit with Timothy and his father as, um, as hospice care has come in, and, um, and they're doing comfort care in his life. It's easy to start connecting the dots to how discouraging life is when you walk through that in one week, church. But every instance has been an encouragement for me in my life. One, it reminds me that I'm still alive. It reminds me that the things that I would like to do or the things that people would like to do in their lives, I still have the ability to go out and do. In church, us connected together, us unified with that mindset, we could do a lot. We have lots of reasons to rejoice. We have to present those reasons, those good things and those bad things in prayer to God with thanksgiving. And the peace of God that transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and minds of Jesus Christ. Why is it important to have an attitude of gratitude? Because it does protect us from the enemy. It gives us a peace from God knowing that there's someone greater than us sorting all this out. And there are some simple things that we can do. Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if there's anything excellent or praiseworthy, think on those things. Keep a positive mindset, church. Speak about things with gratitude. Show that there are reasons to be joyous in our faith. And put it on display. Whatever you've learned or whatever you've seen from someone who's writing from prison, who has every reason in the world to be discouraged about their lives, he said, put that into practice. Put the lovely things and the right things, the praiseworthy things, the true things, the pure things into practice. Because we all know sometimes it's easier to put those other things in practice when we're not feeling really encouraged ourselves. It's important, church, that we remember that medical professionals tell us that our lives are better when we have gratitude. If you look at some of these, these were all listed in our Grace Marriage, uh, the chapter about gratitude, if you have that booklet. If you don't, um, take a look at these slides. The five scientific, scientifically excuse me, proven benefits of gratitude. You have better immune function, faster healing, lower blood pressure. You sleep better. You have better self-esteem and better health. Just by changing your attitude. I'm not even telling you to exercise this morning. I'm going to save that for after Thanksgiving, right? There we are. Knock if you're with. There we go. Um, yeah, we'll talk. We'll have that. We'll have that sermon after Thanksgiving. An attitude of gratitude protects us from the enemy, and we need all the help we can get. One simple thing we can do this week is be great, be gracious to others. Um, we're reminded that um, people who have gratitude have more friends and less anxiety, improved mental clarity, and better relationships, better psychological health, better physical health. Rejoice always and pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Praying continually, that seems overwhelming, but if we're in a mindset of prayer, maybe we're, we're disciplined in our prayer life. Maybe we have a prayer closet and we have a, we have a practice of prayer before and after meals and praying for people instead of telling people we're going to pray for them. We have all these different things that we intentionally do. 
Have you ever thought just being having the mindset of prayer constantly? Not necessarily speaking prayer, but just thinking prayer when you're driving down the road. When you see a situation that you can't really do anything about. But you can think, you can pray about those things. See, God understands our hearts and He knows what's on our minds. And it is a good discipline for us to speak those things into words because that is very personal in relationship, right? We understand words mean something, especially if it's from someone we love and they also mean something from someone that we may not like, right? They can lift us up and they can tear us down. Or our words to God mean something to Him. It shows that we have faith in Him. We believe to talk about Him like He's sitting in the room with us. Like He's a real tangible person. And that's a big deal. You ever talk to someone like they're not in the room? I think the, the most frustrated I've ever been in a scenario was when um, I was at a store and the person um, waiting on us talked about my wife and mother like they weren't in the room. They were talking to me about how frustrated they were with two women that I love standing beside me. Well, I knew I was going home with one of those women and the other I'd see oftentimes, and I wasn't going to let him do that in front of me, so I let him know where he stood in the relationship. <laughs> I was trying to be kind in that moment, but I wasn't really appreciative of how he talked about them like they weren't there, talking over them in the room. Do we ever talk over God in our lives? Do we ever ask for things like he can't hear us and wonder why they haven't gotten done? Do we ever look at the, the gap in the bridge of our lives and say, where's God at when this? And he's like, I'm right here. If you just talk to me like I'm right here, we can solve some of these problems. Rejoice always and pray continually in all circumstances. A lack of gratitude hinders happiness. If we just, if we just have a, a struggle with, with, with showing and sharing joy, it hinders our happiness. It's the most common sense thing you can really think about. And really, if we're not proactive with, um, our, with our gratitude, with our mindset before we go into circumstances, I don't know how you could expect happiness at the end of it. We understand God wants to give us good things. He wants us to be involved in good things. And Satan wants us to avoid those things. And if we believe in the scripture, we should fully believe that, that, um, that God is working in our lives just as Satan is trying to work against whatever he's trying to accomplish. And if we're looking for happiness and can't find it, Satan may be the distractor that's standing between us and what God wants to give us. Not every circumstance for Paul is one that's happy. Not every circumstance that he's been through and shipwreck and, 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 um, and being imprisoned and all these trials that he's gone through are happy things. Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount talks about, in the Beatitudes even, about um, being thankful or, or, or gracious or grateful for um, the struggles that we'll face. Romans chapter 5 reminds us that they build character, those struggles. Those outlooks aren't easy to adopt. But understanding that allows us to see that negative things can be turned into positive circumstances. If, I'm allowed, if I allow them to build my character, right? And if you've been through negative circumstances, maybe you, you understand this more clearly. Some of us have lived a charmed life, and it's hard whenever things aren't so charming to keep a positive outlook. Paul's example is a great one. If you look at a deep look at his life and compare it to Scripture, an extensive look will tell you he knows what he's talking about, and he does have happiness or gratitude in his outlook. There's a lower risk for depression, anxiety, and substance abuse. Gratitude blocks toxins 
and they block emotions like envy, resentment, regret, and depression. You think those two aren't linked? Whenever you're envious, jealous, or you have regret in your life or depression, do you think that substance abuse and anxiety aren't linked to that? We live in a community that um, is, is not... To say just struggling with substance abuse and drug addiction would be an understatement. And if we could show joy to those people, give them the re a reason to have gratitude in their lives, that may be the medicine that they need. Now there's more to it than that. There's a much more um, layered approach to helping people with, um, with um, psychological issues like depression, with substance abuse, substance abuse issues like drug and, drugs and alcohol. But joy, but joy could really go a long way in those lives. Philippians chapter 2 and 14 and 15. Do everything without grumbling or arguing. That's a tough one. It's a tough one. Sometimes we're good enough to at least keep those arguments or grumbling to ourselves. I want to challenge you, church. If you find yourself talking about a situation that involves someone else and they're not in the room, that's not a healthy outlook on the relationship. If you're grumbling or complaining or arguing with someone and they're not even in the room to have that conversation with you, your mindset in that relationship is not in a good place. Challenge yourself to, to invite those people in the room with you. Sometimes our presence alone is the gap. Right? Sometimes we complain or grumble, we argue about circumstances, and then if we just brought the person that we have the issue with into the room, the gap would be bridged. The, br the bridge would be completed. It may not even be a joyous circumstance, but it's one that connects and fixes and makes whole the scenario. We have a responsibility, church, to be aware. Hard times can't steal the joy from those resting in Christ. Hard times cannot steal joy from those resting in Christ. And you know who those people are. Paul is a great example in Scripture. We reference Bonnie's life. Um, the life of, a, of a, um, a Christian man or woman, someone involved in ministry, that's not easy. You assume that um, your ministers have a, a joyous life because what we do and what we're involved in and the things that we preach are life-giving, so they must give us life. And really, it's quite opposite at times. When you deal with people who are dying to themselves or dying in their relationships or dying in their life, it's hard sometimes not to take that death upon yourself. Sometimes I think it would be easier if I could just walk into a room if someone is struggling and put my hands on them and pray on them and take that struggle on myself and make them better, it would be it would, it would be a better scenario. It doesn't work like that, but in a way it does. Every one of those burdens that I help or that I try to advise or I try to work through in people's lives, I do take on in myself at times. It, it keeps me up at night. So how do I sleep at night? I rest in Christ to know that not every circumstance I can solve on my own. Not every nice banner about unity is going to fix all of our problems. But continuing to labor together makes those hard times a lot more joyous because it's lonely when you're the only one trying. We have a responsibility, church, this morning. It's great to be a fellowship of believers together. What an encouragement to hear our voices together, to know that we're reading Scripture together, that we're taking communion together. We're 
intimately in relationship this morning, even though you're looking at the backs of each other's heads. We care about each other. We can rest at night knowing that Christ gives us a reason for joy. Our four keys to gratitude this morning, you can find in the life of Paul, absolutely in the life of Christ. I'm not leaving Jesus and his, his, um, his life and his death and his, his um, sacrifice and service to us out of this. But these are four points that I took specifically from um, Bonnie's um, living will, her spiritual will. Um, I, I took some um, took some freedom to sort of um, write these in, a, in a, maybe a, a sermon point way, I guess, instead of word for word. But our four keys to gratitude are to care for others through laughter and tears. If you really care for someone, you'll be there when you're laughing together and you'll be there when you're crying together. And if you're leaving one of those out, if you're only there for the hard times and you're not there for the good times, or you're only there for the good times and you find yourself conveniently absent during the hard times, that relationship is not what God intends. Care for, care for others through laughter and tears. Serve others with kindness and generosity. Serve others. And not just other people sitting around you this morning. Serve people who don't like you with kindness and generosity. Serve people who have been unkind to you with kindness and generosity. Serve people who have nothing to give you with kindness and generosity. Carry yourself with dignity and grace. Carry yourself with dignity and grace. The Proverbs 31 verse that was read for Bonnie was just one that, um, that I really, I have a lot of respect for when hearing. I have a lot of respect for a lot of women in my life that, um, that live out that, um, that, um, that Proverbs 31 woman example. Dignity and grace. It's a great example of how I can show gratitude in my life. You want to honor people that have gone before you. You want to honor your parents. You want to honor your father and mother, your grandparents. Maybe a really good minister once that preached a sermon or a teacher that, that spoke life into you. Live your life. Carry your life with dignity and grace. You want to pay something forward to the world? Give them a reason to be dignified, to stand up tall and be proud of who they are and be gracious when others don't necessarily see that in themselves yet. All the, the health, um, the, the um, examples from the health articles and things, that you, you want all that. You want a, a long life and an encouraging life and one that feels good and without pain and suffering. But you can still have dignity even when you're suffering. It's hard, but you can. Embrace your role in the kingdom. And when I say embrace your role, know your role in the kingdom. We all have a role in advancing the kingdom of God, in encouraging people around us, spreading the gospel, serving others. We all have a role, whether it's through teaching, whether it's through singing, whether it's through preaching, whether it's for caring for orphans and widows, whether it's just donating money so those, those efforts continue. Whatever that role is in your life, embrace it and be involved in it. Those keys to gratitude this morning were clearly lived out in the life of Bonnie, obviously in the life of Christ, obviously in the life of Paul. I hope that in our lives we take on that same challenge to allow people to take an extensive look at who we really are and see what they find at the end. Most people tend to put about 95% of their focus on the 5% of life that's hard to handle. 
This is why joy is such a difficult thing. You would say joy would be an easy thing to have. We all want it. Why is it such a difficult thing to get? Because we have a struggle with focusing on the 5% of our life that's hard to handle instead of the 95% that's actually working out. If we put 95% of our focus on the good, the 5% would be a lot more tolerable. It would not steal as much joy and happiness. We've all got reasons to complain. And it'd be easy to stand on our side and point to the other and say, it's actually your fault and not mine. And in the end of that bridge, what, really, what, we're, what we're really lacking from strength together in unity is really just a, a small percentage of what, what we actually have going on. A small percentage can be overwhelming when we focus on it too much. But if we had a positive outlook on how we focused on that small percentage of what's actually wrong, boy, how, how different the outcome would be. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? The sting of death is... And the power of sin is the law, but thanks be to God, He gives us the victory through the Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm, let nothing move you, always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor is not in vain. Focus on the 95 so the 5% doesn't steal your joy this morning, church. As we close, we all obviously this morning, this week, you have a small group guide if you want to take a deeper look. The Proverbs are full, and I didn't even um, go into some of the scriptures. I had a whole group of Proverbs scriptures here that that are full of how important our words are to other people. Um, A quote that I want to close in this morning, and really, it's not more appropriate for the week of Thanksgiving than any other quote, um, came from the funeral there with Bonnie. And, And I think it's important. It says, keep your fork. The best is yet to come. I saw this, um, I've, I've heard this, this sentiment, this thought before, but keep your fork, the best is yet to come. You know, you finish your meal and, and someone's carrying your plate away and you're like, hold on, keep your fork, we've still got dessert coming. Church, the best is yet to come. I promise you, keep your fork, the best is yet to come. Don't give up, don't just give it away too quick and say, you know what, there's got to be something better somewhere else. Hang on for a moment, church, because when unity finally is accomplished, We'll see that the best is yet to come. And really, I've set you up for failure all year long because you're not going to see the full accomplishment of unity until one day we're together in heaven. Then we'll understand it fully. But we should take an extensive look in the life of Christ, people like Paul, people around us that we love and respect, and, and, and get a clue that it's not as bad as it seems. And there are good things waiting us, waiting for us. Church, as we close this morning... If you're looking, if you're looking for um, some way to, to, to complete the, the bridge, to, to, to bridge the gap in your life of whatever you're missing, Jesus is the answer. Um, we had 95 plus people last week listening online. If you're online listening, Jesus is the answer. He's what's going to fill that gap. If you need Jesus in your life, if you're here this morning, you can come forward. If you're not here this morning, find his people and go to them. Look in his word and search for him. Pray to God that you will find him. 
and take the steps to obey him. Not just show up at his house every once in a while and say, I'm here, give me what I want. But obey him. Take the steps it takes to follow him the way that scripture says. Confess his name. Tell people that you believe in him. Tell people you're going to live a different life because of him. Be baptized and walk in a new life with a totally different perspective on life from that day forward. And from that day forward, embrace grace and know, even though you've made the decision and you're doing the right things, you're still going to mess up. And you're still going to need God's grace and mercy to finish. Without God's grace and mercy, we can't finish. We can't connect the ends. We can't bridge the gap. We need Jesus to help us through.